Welcome to Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined via remote through my telephone is Vance. Hi, Vance. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing all right. And Todd is not with us, so it's just going to be me and Vance, and we're going to try to maintain our professionalism with uh, the father figure not watching. Yes. So we're going to do our best. All right, this podcast is brought to you by Fat AZ Musky Products. You can find us at fatazmusky.com is our website. You can also, uh, our two prime outlets for social media are Facebook and Instagram. So look us up, give us a big thumbs up, a like, or whatever you call that for Instagram. Follows, or I don't even know. And um, bait-wise, those baits that I talked about, like a broken record the last couple of weeks, they are gone. So Aaron at Musky Tackle Online is going to have a bunch of baits. He's carrying now our glide bait, the Stinger, a uh, often overlooked glide bait. I'm very proud of it, though we don't talk much about it. I have, I have my original, and I love it very much. It's my warhorse, and uh, be sure to check those out over at Musky Tackle Online. I do not know the inventory of Team Rhino Outdoors, but last I checked, there were some still stuff up. Look at that. Also for some uh, exclusive colors if you're interested. Uh, Rod holders go. Again, they keep leaving as fast as I make them. Uh, That's a good thing. People are getting their boats set up. Uh, I get questions very often about our aluminum clamshell. It is, in fact, on the website. I... A lot of people aren't seeing it. I don't know if it has to do with, like, the cookies or something saved in your browser. or I don't know. But it is there, left column, all the way down, the Fatty Z aluminum clamshell. It's right there. Um, check it out there if you're interested in ordering them. Vance, how have yours held up, your Gen 1s? Well, they're Gen 1s. They're awesome. Uh, they've held up well. Can you hear this? Yes. Okay, I just bashed a rock off of it okay. really hard. So we're going primal over there. Yeah. <laughs> It'll work tomorrow. <laughs> uh, it's like yeah, an old radio my... show from like the 40s where we have to like clop cantaloupes together as we ride the horse stuff. <laughs> I'm not following that. I wasn't around in the 40s, but I was trying to find a giant stick to hit it across and maybe you could hear it like, platter but a rock okay so you're smashing you're smashing a work of art with a rock to prove a point oh they were the gen ones they they are the gen ones when the ones we're selling now are like the gen fours so vance had the very early ones my god that rock i picked up wasn't a rock at all it was solidified raccoon poop jesus (laughs) Stinks. <laughs> I'm gonna wash my hands. It's it's terrible. Um, <laughs> hold on, that's terrible. Okay, I'm gonna keep talking while Vance is cleaning the fecal matter off of his hands. Oh, God. But uh, okay, okay. So something else that we've recently done. I haven't added it to the website quite yet. Uh, several several customers have said that they have some bigger. What are those? A, uh, chaos rods, those big 10 footers that have gigantic, 
like the the gigantic corks or, or the butt grips mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. We do have a limited supply of bigger diameter clamshells. A uh, couple, more than a couple, uh, people have asked for them, and we we machine them out bigger to accept those fatter rods. So if you're in the market for that, uh, text or message us. They, I have not put the drop-down menu on the website quite yet. Um, I would say only if you absolutely need them, uh, request them because the ones that are on the website are like literally exactly the same size as a standard down east. So if a standard down east is fitting your rod, by all means, you doing okay over there? Yeah, I'm fine now. Okay. It uh, was a really intense stench. Fantastic. Okay. So um, that's the AZ plug for now. Let's uh, let's hear it from Vance about Muddy Creek. Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishandguides.com. Uh, give us a call. Uh, I am booked up until uh, the second week of November. I'm going to push it here at Chautauqua uh, as long as I can. Um, right now I'm trying to fill 9, 10, 11, and 13 of November. That's 9, 10, 11, 13. Yeah. It's like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, for some fall fishing here at Chautauqua, I'll take you guys out as long as you're up for it, uh, seeing what the weather is. Um, but the boat's cozy, you know, the Bimini does well there and, uh, with the, with the, uh, heater in it, but fishing's good. Um, a lot of big fish, uh, fall is right around the corner. Finally got some really beautiful wind today. Uh, off fishing, it felt great. By um, beautiful but, wind, it was it the fifty mile an hour gust for the hour before the storm come through? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, but it felt refreshing. You know, it's kind of been like Groundhog Day up here, but um, fish fishing's really good right now. Uh, if we have some cancellations, give us a call. Uh, you know, we can try and get you on the books, fit you in the season. Um, but like I said, just hit us up if you want to come out. I'll be doing Pennsylvania in May, April and May of 2021. And then I'll be right back up here at Chautauqua Lake. And my books are open. So if you want to get on the books, give us a ring. Uh, and we'll uh, try and restart for 2021. Because so, this year has sucked just in general looking forward to that uh if you do come out and fish with us you'll be fishing out of ranger boats um big shout out ranger boats uh big shout out to vic sports center in kent ohio uh check them out for all your boating needs um they sell starcraft star welds tritons rangers they do service uh, they have used boats if you're thinking about buying a boat uh now would be the time uh, to order your boat because demand is up, production is down. Such is life in the outdoors right now. Um, so give them a call. St. Croix Rods, best rods on earth. Uh, I found time finally to figure out why our rods weren't being shipped, uh, but I got that done for Todd and myself. I uh, had a nice conversation with them. Uh, and I think that we're finally going to be on the pro staff, not the guide staff, uh, which mm. is nice. Did 
Did you threaten um, to break their uh, knees if they didn't ship the rods? No. Just normal business and professionalism got it done. You mean threats and, you know, a physical force didn't accomplish your goal? No, no, no. I didn't have to I didn't have to go there, which was wonderful. Um but yeah, check St. Croix rods out. Uh we love them so much. We were begging for them to send us some new rods. Uh, yeah, we could talk about that a little bit too. Well, later. I should have asked you this prior to the show, but I'm going to just ask you it now. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't you say something was happening at Vix? Something. Mm-hmm. It has to do with you, and it's shiny and big. Oh. Yeah, I, I ordered my new boat. You ordered your new boat. When do you expect yeah. to, see, to see that? It's a little small talk. That's. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know because, like what I said, the demand is up and production is down. And uh, but I think they're going to get it done for me and, and get it in quick enough. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's got to be here. It's got to be here before April. You know. So, so you're looking at. You know, just for the people who may want to order a boat for next year or something, unless you're buying a showroom model, you might want to lead this one a little bit, and you're hoping mm-hmm. to have yours by April, and you put in put an order in in August. I put an order in in July. Okay. Yeah, and it completely just like went over my head because you know I'm working all those hours and stuff and. Uh, I'm just like, oh crap! I got to order something, or Victor's going to pick me the wrong colors again. Was there so, uh, anything uh, different that you're going with this time? Um, no, it's it's a little bit more black this time. Um, still going with the Helix Tens, keeping my old uh, Humminbird unit, the first one I've ever had. Um, Let me ask you something about that color. Good. So your first 2080 was a black interior. Mm-hmm. Your second one, the one that you're in right now, is a more of a silver interior. Mm-hmm. Did you notice a difference in the comfort during the summer? 100%, yes. The black interior will roast you. And um, you decided to do that again? I I did no uh, on the outside. I decided to use more darker tones, um, but on the inside, it is remaining the same color because of the comfort level. Okay, uh, in the heat. Yes. All yes. right. So, word to the wise, anyone out there, that will make a difference. I and mean, if you're spending that much time in it, you don't want to be like in a crock pot. Mm-mm. No, but it's still sweet, regardless. Oh, without a doubt. When you do it. Do it as much as I do. Um, you need some comfort. But yeah, I'm excited about that. The new colors on it, you know, it's always fun. It gets to look shiny for a couple days a year, and then it gets destroyed. Very nice. So, anything else about your boat before we move on? What mode did you get? I got the 250 Pro XS and the uh, Pro Kicker 15 again. Autopilot. Um, that's jack plate. Uh, 
you know, that's what I ordered. So we'll see what happens. So it's per- it's powered by the same motors. I imagine that the uh, bow mount's the same, and you got essentially the same graphs. Mm-hmm. Nice. I might get a pan optics. We'll see. I mean, that's just stuff for me to have fun with. Yeah, it's, but, uh, it's fun stuff, and I, I I can see how it becomes a burden. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, it, it's some cool stuff that you can do, but... Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Might, might not. Not, don't necessarily need one, but it's just fun, you know, in there. I still want to wait it out to see when all, like, the big three names of... Uh, units have it just standard. I mean, it's obviously going that way, but doesn't like Garmin have that like that cornered pretty well? Right now, yeah, absolutely. I remember it wasn't that long ago. Garmin was just like, "What are you gonna have it talk to you? Turn left at three hundred feet." Yeah, it was a GPS. I mean, that's that's all really. Garmin was was you know mm-hmm. used for was you know handheld GPSs and talking to you while you drive before every car now has GPS standard. Yeah, and they they came on the scene and they were kind of to me sitting in the background a little bit, and all of a sudden they exploded. They did. They're in like hunting like crazy, um, and now they're in this fishing industry. And I remember back in like 2016 where they were just like patrolling uh, Chautauqua Lake. Oh, mapping it out. Yep. Specific Garmin boats. Pretty cool stuff. Did you um, happen to pull up to him and tell him about the 60-incher living under that dock? I did, yeah. I saw it. They had lives go. Yeah, they were, you know, finding Loch Ness down there. Mm-hmm. Very nice. All right, this podcast is also brought to you by Muskie's Inc. Muskie's Inc., great organization, it's really not that much in the grand scheme of things. And being a nonprofit, it's, they're probably feeling the crunch from this whole year. Uh, I know a lot of other nonprofits, you know, they're surviving. But this would be a really good time if you're on the bubble to even just, you know, thinking of not re-upping. You know, you should probably look and say and just see how much good stuff that they've done over the years and, you know, they're starting to shift their focus to habitat management for these fish. Um, we've had numerous guests on over the past couple of years talking about that and uh, just working with the local fisheries. It's just been really, really fantastic. Uh, I see progress from their help uh, in conjunction with our local fish commission. And, you know, I hope that that's across the board. Um, I can't speak for anyone else. I can only speak for what I see. Uh, we've had Jared on numerous times. You know, the the cool stuff that the, the clubs around our area do in conjunction with each other is just fantastic. So it's a great camaraderie. Have access to the lunch log. Get your calendar. Get your magazines for $45. It's a great buy, and it is helping our unified voice as musky fishermen. So join your local chapter. All right, one last announcement before Vance and I start i don't know let's light this dumpster fire after this mm-hmm. okay fall family fishing derby saturday september 26th at caesar creek state park that is waynesville ohio 
The hours of this fishing derby are 9 a.m. through 5 p.m. If you want more information, you can go to bbcwilmington.org or call Matt Richardson. His phone number is 937-369-5285. There will be a muskie category on uh, in this fishing derby. There are some sponsors here. I see Extreme Muskie Lures, Central Ohio Chapter of Muskies, Inc., BNN Customs, Lungeon Lures, and the hosting of this is from the Baptist Church of Wilmington. You can register at fishdonkey.com. So, fun family event. Check it out if you're in the area, and if you're interested, be sure to look them up and get on board. It'll be a good time, good cause. So, all right. I've got a question. I might have an answer. So, we obviously field uh, questions about rod holders every day, and... Um, when we were talking about that, uh, when you made our aluminum drop in mm-hmm. a little bit wider, uh, it was essentially for those chaos tackle rods. Um, and I think they have the, their own trolling line now. I think that's following suit for a lot of rod companies. They're kind of having casting ones and then they have a trolling series. Mm-hmm. So what the problem was is people were not able to close that down east successfully around uh, the real seat. Uh, things were getting in the way, thick cork. Uh, I, I want to think it was foam. Like, was the, Don't they have a foam grip? I think they probably. I think that would indicate, uh, indicate a trolling series. But if not, it's going to be cork. But I, that was the, the major issue uh, with with those rods um going into a down east is that they they wouldn't close is they wouldn't close so you made larger ones um for that um now what do you think the advantages of having a thicker base a thicker grip section yes on, on a rod like that for trolling no, no, I can I can I can play pros and cons while casting, but for trolling, what do you think the pros are of that? Man, I I can make an argument for both, and I think that in most, you know, I think to fully understand a subject, you 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 know, when there is such like a opinion on something that's a little bit different. If you can make a case for both, then you got a pretty good understanding of what's going on. I'm not saying that I'm per- I, I've never run one of these rods. I've held them. Um, I can only venture a guess at this, but I think it's probably not too far off. Those chaos rods, if I'm not mistaken, go really long. I think they're like 10 foot. They're yes. a, they're a long rod, and it, it might be necessary in order to keep the musky stiffness that people are looking for. That they're going to need a thicker blank, and it might have just happened to jump up to the next real seat size. So mm-hmm. then you got to match everything else to a thicker blank, and that very well might have been why it went big. It was a ease of manufacturability, and 
I'm going to produce a lot of them. It's like shrinking something down to scale. It might be, you know, you might have, and and this could be wrong, but it's just, it's to get the point across. You might have some like those fat cat catfish rods you can buy at Walmart that are like, you know, three quarters of an inch diameter, you know, at like Mm -hmm. the rod blank right above the thing. It might just be what is available for a blank of that diameter. So in order to fit a blank of that diameter, they need the next size real seat. So like they don't have all that other stuff that is what would be quote unquote standard musky size. And Mm -hmm. it just might have to jump up to the next, you know, real class or whatever it is uh, to accommodate that. I could be completely wrong, but it makes sense. Whereas it makes sense. If you can buy that stuff, you know, off the shelf versus having to get it on like, you know, new molds and all this new stuff for a, you know, essentially a small percentage of the fishing industry, you're just better mm-hmm. off to buy off the shelf components. And that's, that would be my guess without mm-hmm. fully knowing. Cause I, I haven't talked to anyone that makes those rods. Well, that's a guess in the manufacturing of it. And I can kind of relate that to, you know, we've always talked about making a bigger Raptor or a bigger swim bait. Um, we make like a, say, just say a 14 inch Raptor. Things start to look weird. Things start to get bigger in areas. Um, and we're like, mm, this doesn't look right. I don't see it being able to run right. So when you go, that's a good point. When you make a musky rod now, you want that 10 foot, that, that, that ability to widen your spread out while still maintaining that thickness or that, that stiffness. Uh, you know, that's a, that, that kind of makes manufacturing sense. That might be where it had to go when they were trying to scale it up or down. Um, but cause I noticed, you know, when I first started trolling, we were, I was using, there wasn't any St. Croix trolling rods, you know, it was just casting rods that we used to troll with. And I would use that, um, eight, six premier for my out rod, uh, through St. Croix. Yeah. Todd used those as well. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, pretty much, I would. A lot of people use those as outruns um, over here uh, for for many years. But um, tried to get a. They made a nine footer, and it kind of petered out at the end. There was a lot of tip to it, so it really wasn't as stiff as the eight six, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it would probably run the spread similar to the eight six because of the flex, but you could probably watch that bait really close. You could pick up a lot of wiggle and jiggle and nuances. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what, that's, that's, uh, that's something to bring to light. Something to think about as why is the, why those rods are, um, thicker at the baits, but for a functionality, uh, purpose, with a thicker grip uh, of a rod, I guess the only thing that I could see with it, uh, a pro is more comfortability in your hand, something else to grab onto uh, a thicker base when you go to set a hook or something like that. Um, You know, maybe it's, it's built for comfort. Maybe it feels better tucked up underneath your armpit, uh, in, in between, uh, your rib cage, maybe it feels better there, uh, less, less, uh, less wear on the body. Um, but 
don't know, something to think about. Yeah, you know what I mean. I've had them on the, I've had them on the boat before, bigger rods like that, and uh, I've seen them, seen them work. You know, they work. Are they my? Uh, do I run them? No, probably because of that. You know, the biggest thing is that real seat, um, and. I'm not changing anytime soon from uh, our rod holder. So uh, just was something, something to think about those thicker butts. Yeah. There's always in the industry, there's always seems to be like the standard and then something that's just enough off that it causes gear issue. And, you know, for whatever reason, those rods are what they are. I mean, people like them. I mean, there's, you see them all over the place, so they're doing something right, but that's just one of those ones that it's, it's off enough to where you, you kind of have to almost watch your rod holders, um, mm-hmm. to, to make sure they all fit. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how I would like a bigger, thicker, you know, foregrip. Like if, if I were to be, you know, casting with it, I mean, I, I kind of palm my tranks. I don't know if that would really affect me much there, but when I used to grab the foregrip just for the leverage aspect so I can really rock a hook set, mm-hmm. I don't know if my hand would like that or not. There are some days I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to close my, my hand as much. And other days, you know, it, it's just like, no, this is where it's at. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It, it's probably geared, Those are probably geared for more of that, uh, you know, rubber bait stuff I, w- I would imagine that it came came uh from from somewhere in, in that realm uh those big heavy baits and just you know having something that you could grip a little tighter you want to hear so a joke f- fall out of your hands or something good okay they probably made them for those big pounder bulldogs get it chaos they do medusas that's a joke yeah i know that's okay, a it, was, it was a horrible joke but i had to drop yeah. it yeah, but that's probably what they were for. But anyway, <laughs> they didn't fit in our downies, so Andy made something different. Pretty cool adjustment on the fly. Yeah. Andy. Yeah, so, Vance, you said you had a couple stories. We were going to kind of we, – we, we might extract some bad advice from some of your stories. This isn't going to be a full-blown bad advice show, but – um. Did, did anything fun happen in the last, gosh, we didn't really get to fun story. We, we had a cool story last week with, with gear man. And then it turned into the GMS GS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was sweet. I want to bring up something that maybe I never, have I ever brought up the story about the planer board that hit me in the face? No, we had one that got like the rod that got sucked up into the boat and you had to go over there and like fetch your lure and, all the stuff like that, but no. So you you took, did you say a planer board or a skateboard to the face? Planer board. Okay, too soon. Um, Very funny. All right, I'm on it tonight. Yeah, they're, they're all it's firing on all cylinders. It is. Okay, so planer um, board to the face. I can't believe I've never told this story before. Let's hear this it. Is nuts. All right, so I was thinking about this today because a similar situation happened. Planer boards. We use those little offshore inline planer boards. Um, 
I think they're the OR-16s or 18s, something like that. They're small. Um, so they're a pain in the butt. I think all planer boards are. But you, when you're running a spread, it's nice to have uh, – you feel like you're upping your, your chances when you put more lures in the water, obviously, um, and you're spreading it out. So when you're reeling in a planer board – and when people, clients are coming out and they're trying to figure out how, you know, we're teaching them how to run these things, how to run a trolling spread, what we want, where, yada, 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 all that stuff. Um, the planer board is like the most difficult thing to grasp. You'll see people losing them. Um, I lost one, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. People lose them. Why am I losing them? Uh, you'll see weird you know, baits that are put on these planer boards that are the size of the planer board. And then all of a sudden that planer board doesn't act like a planer board. Uh, there's just a lot of intangibles that you have to like pick up on, um, to run these things, uh, efficiently and correctly. So, uh, people come out, they want to learn it's planer board time. I'll throw it out there. And then I'll clip this. You throw it out for its des- the desired line length you want for the depth. Then and then, you're, you're talking about you, you set your bait back the, the amount yep. of feet. Mm-hmm. And then it's time to clip this thing on. And the, the clipping, to clip one of these on the line is not, not as easy as it looks. There's a science to it. There's uh, wrapping and snaps have to go the correct like direction. Like yo-yo up down? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um and when you're doing things like this, when you're teaching that that part to the client of how to connect the planer board to the line is very, very difficult. And while you're doing that, I'd have that thing out there in a second. Now you hand it over to the client after showing them X amount of times because it's a motor skill you have to get uh, to put one of these things on. Once you get it, it's like, oh. Well, that was simple, but it takes a lot of repetition to get it. Not many people pick it up right away, uh, including myself. I didn't at first, too. So while, you, while I'm doing that, and it's the client's time sitting there, 10 seconds will pass, 20 seconds will pass. And I'm like, okay, that thing's already weeded up. It has to be reeled back in. But I'm going to let them set it out there to go through the motions and then I'm going to say, hey, we have to reel it right back in. Because while you were doing that and concentrating so hard on putting this thing on your line, a big giant weed went down and your bait's fouled up now. So let's just reel that back in, blah, blah, blah. And have you do it again. And have you do it again. Repetition, learn, yes. So uh, that's one thing. Then reeling them in. Once you get it out there, you have to reel them in. Now you're looking at if our classic setup is a down rod and outrod these are both running off the boat now you have this little inline planer uh, that has to clear these lines example your both your boat rods are running clean but that planer board is now tangled up for some reason or fouled up with weeds or something you have to now reel it in reeling it in also is a science you'll see um what i generally do is i point directly at the boat or at the board Um, and try my best to bring it in the way that I put it out. Everything in a trolling spread comes, leaves the back of the boat, returns in the back of the boat. Uh, That's how you keep your lines clear. 
Now, when you do when you do that, it's as simple as me saying, "Hey, point at the thing and reel." Once it gets twenty feet to the boat, lift up on it and start reeling, and then that planer board will come out of the water. And then you'll feel then from reeling there, you'll just feel that crankbait. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You won't you won't feel that resistance of the of the planer board anymore. But that's tough to to uh, to get down at first as well. People will reel it they'll point all the way to the side think it has to come to the right or left side of your lines that are running um to keep it clean but no it really just needs to come in through the back of the boat um and dangerous time is trying to get that thing up out of the water so you don't feel that resistance of the board anymore that's that's a it's a really important time because then depending on if you're, you have weeds all over the place or whatever, that board could come off. If it buries in the water, it could come off. And then you are now chasing your board around uh, rather than continuing to fish. So that lift, that um, initial uh, lift to get that board out of the water when it's like 20 feet from the, from the transom, um, is another difficult motor skill to pick up. So here's what happened after all this rambling. I'm teaching this guy, uh, you know, how I'm doing this stuff. And he's ran boards before and they musky fish before and blah, 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 all that stuff. But they wanted to see how I was doing things. So I took him out. Uh, it was a, it was a great day. The kid caught his personal best. I think we caught like a 47 or something that, Within the first uh, 30 minutes, uh, they proceeded to say that they hated me. And now we're engaged and they are musky fishermen. So I'm letting them like run the spread and stuff. It's time to clear the board. And I think it's courtesy. Like when a client is reeling in a line, you still assist them. You know, you get up, you you have to unclip that board off the line for them so that they can continue the reel and stuff like that. So they're cleaning this one that has weeds on it. And uh, it starts to dive. There's some resistance. The rod is burying. The board is burying. Um, and now it comes time to lift. And I think the guy took like a little too... Uh, literally what I was saying where you have to like really, you know, put your back into it a little bit and get that thing out of the water. Well, this board's burying and this guy puts like everything. And, and by it. burying is the board kind of turns and it starts acting like a big diving plane and it's going underwater. Absolutely. Which okay. can lead to it tangling everything. So he really puts his back into this and this board comes flying flying into the boat. I mean, and I'm in front of the kid because I'm trying to unclip this board. I'm standing right, right in front of him. Mm-hmm. And the board comes and smacks me directly under the nose, like cut size side indentation size to say if it's port or starboard, it hits me right under the nose, like right in the mustache at like, extreme miles per hour smashes me that is an area that bleeds a lot 
Did it, it bleed? Cut me. It cut me all the way through. Like Please. I could stick my tongue out. It was freaking crazy. Okay, so it cut your lip so bad that you could put like those plates that those people in National Geographic put in their lips? Kind of, yes. If it was... Yeah, yeah, I had a gauge started, essentially. Okay, what's that called? A gauge. Okay. It's like what the rockers and the emos wear. Might see them at the protest. Okay, I was going pure National Geographic that I'd look at in third grade, but okay, yes, so that's called a gauge. Gauges. Awesome. So you had one of those going, like, not on purpose, but because you ate a planer board? Yeah. I mean, smack me like a Mike Tyson punch right in the face. I just looked away real quick, went down, didn't fall or anything like that, but I looked down at the ground and was like, ah, got me. I think I was like, got me, got me good. It was a good one. Keep reeling. And then it's just nonstop blood. Just back of my throat, blood everywhere, fucking dropping down oh, through my mouth, everything. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, and did you go get stitches? No, no, absolutely not. Have you shaved your mustache to see how it grew back together? Yes. Did it grow Straight. back together? Obviously. Yeah, perfectly. Per- perfectly. It's not all screwed up. Mm-mm, but there's a scar under there and there's still a scar in my mouth to this day uh, from it. And I just thought it was hilarious because the guys were like, they were freaked out about it. They were like, Oh my God. Like, I'm sorry. Let's stop the trip. You need to go to the hospital. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm good. Like we're, we're good to go. Like, oh, how man. are you, if you, how are you not knocked out? Like, I'm like, I don't know. It sounded crazy. Like thud, man. It was nuts. It hit like right on me on the jaw you know like right above your your teeth it was crazy man if you would have been thinking and had your wits and you had like something in your pocket like a bunch of those bigger split shots and you just go Ugh, and you drop them and they clink in on the thing and just pretending that it was your teeth you spit out <laughs> dude it was close and, and i got really lucky where it hit me and i remember like kind of du- like when it was when i was eye to eye with this board i was like all right where do i want it to go Straight to the bridge of the nose, it'll probably break. Right into the teeth, I'm going to lose some. And I was like, mm, I, I'm going to shoot for that three eighths of an sh- inch gap between my teeth and my nose. Mustache. Boom. Wham. It was freaking amazing. This happened last fall, so it, wasn't, it hasn't been a calendar year yet, but. I don't think I said I would bring it up because they felt extremely bad, and I know that they listen to the show occasionally. So, um, but I brought it up anyway. Didn't mention any names, but that happened, man. And I was so freaking bloodied up. It was, it was incredible. It was incredible. It was nice. You know, I feel like you still got it after that. And then I just freaking stuffed my face with some, some gauze, and it continued to fish. Man, you, you should have done something like as the day wore on. Packed like between your teeth and your in your in your lip with like tissues and then work it to where a little bit of tissue comes out of the hole. And like when they're not looking, pull it out a little bit more until they finally notice that 
you're you're flossing your lip. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was bad. It was bad. But I'm not going to get stitches. Well, yeah. It's a little too late if it was 11 months ago. Yeah, that's ago. just like how, how I felt. You know, I was like, I'm not going. I know I need them, but I'm not That's going. one of those things that, like, any time that I've needed stitches, I know that I need them, but it, it was almost seemed as an inconvenient obstacle for me to have to actually, like, ah. Oh, I know I need to do this, but I really don't want to just from the standpoint of getting in the car, going up there, dealing with all the crap that you mm-hmm. got to do. Get triaged, sit, sit there for three hours because it's not serious. And who the hell wants to do that? I got a stitches. I got a, like the, the last major set of stitches I got had nothing to do with fishing. I ran my thumb into a bandsaw. And in fact, the bandsaw is now in the other room here. I, I ended up. Uh, long story, I ended up taking it home with me. And it it was my right thumb. And if you go to where your nail meets, like if like the, the nail part, like if you were to dig at something, the exposed mm-hmm. part where it hits your skin on the right side of my right thumb, the okay. blade entered there and went down at such an angle how I pushed it into this blade to where it almost hit the bone. So it almost hit the bone, and it just nicked the nail. Mm-hmm. And so it happened, and it was one of those slow motions. It went in, and I pulled it out. I looked at it. I'm like, oh, no. And I had enough time to be like, why isn't it bleeding? And then it did. Yes. And it didn't hurt. And why doesn't this hurt yet? It, one of those things. So then it it never really hurt until I got to the hospital, but I'm going to get there. So I go and I wrap it up as tight as I can, and you know I I call for a ride to take me take me in, and um, went in. You know they looked at me, whatever, and and like in the ER there was like two other people besides me, two other people waiting for, and like you said, it was like an hour and a half, and yep. by this time after it happened and waiting for my ride, I'm dealing with like two and a half hours, give or take, of this thing, you know, and I'm just holding, I'm putting pressure on it the whole time, and. They finally take me back and then, you know, more jacking around and finally a doctor comes and by that time it's not bleeding. And I'm like, well, okay, this thing's kind of stable. Doctor's like, well, we're going to have to take a look at this. So the first thing he does is he grabs, you know, a thumb on each side of it and just wide open, just like rips it up, rips it wide open. The, the dried blood was holding it. And I'm just like, geez. And then he pours iodine in it. And after I peed my pants, um, he was like, oh yeah, you're going to need stitches. Well, really? Thanks. I probably could have told you that. And I didn't actually pee my pants, but I wanted to. Yeah, that's rough. He, he goes and does something else. And, you know, I put pressure back on and get all that crap. And it was like another long time. I mean, we're probably pushing another hour. He comes back and he busts his open again. I'm like, that makes no sense. Was this a resident? I, I don't know. <laughs> I have no... I mean, what he, an idiot. And he dumped iodine in it again, and then he dabbed it all up, and, you know, he's stitching it. And by the... You know, the the pain kind of have gone away from him doing it twice. And he's stitching the thumb together. And I'm like... I'm looking at... I, I wanted to say, I'm no doctor, but shouldn't you be taking a bigger bite of skin to tie these knots? 
And, you know, I right. said something, I'm like, don't you need more skin? Oh, no, your skin's really tough. And when he goes to pull it, he rips the stitch right out. Like, take a little bit more, take a little more meat with that thing. And, you yeah. know, he finished stitching it up and he's like, oh, there you go. You know, you're ready to go. And I'm like, okay, great. So there's like five hours of my life. I'm not getting back. And, oh, my gosh. I'm not even. Yeah, I'm, I told I'm, you. I'm, it's I'm, just I'm, like a waste. Uh, it, it is. And it just brought back a memory of when I got the stitches out, when I had them removed. I'm not even going to go into this. And, and this this was an even more of a, of a train wreck of of just the nightmarish things I went through to do this. It, it was it was insane. But, yeah, the, the stitches things, it was like, man, if I could just numb this thing up and have someone do it with thread, I, I would have sooner done that. But it just... I mean, that's generally what you do. You inject a topical or like a lidocaine and then you do the stitches. You don't come in and start ripping things up. But again, that's why, like, if you're ever sick in this area, people are, they're just not smart from like waking up to go into college and all that stuff in the area. If you're sick or anything, go, go south or go to Cleveland. And, not, not that this is the doctor's fault. I still don't have feeling in and around that scar tissue where that thumb was put together. I, I don't expect to ever get it back. But that it, makes no sense. It's it's to not. rip you open twice. He ripped me open two <clears> times <throat> and then just dumped iodine. And prior to that, my only experience with iodine was milk and cows. Right. And whatever. But you never played with that stuff in like school. No. I never, I never really have. That's another thing. Like, so you get a hook in the hand. I told you about my hook in the hand, right? Yeah. I've had hooks. I'd probably do it once a week. Not like past the barb stuff, but I put hooks in my hand all the time or wherever. Happens all the time. Something rusty, something fishy goes into my skin. And people say, like, should I go to the hospital and be on an antibiotic? Because I put this foreign object into my body. I don't know when my last tetanus was, blah, 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 all that stuff. The fish, you know, it was in a fish. Now it was in me, blah, blah, blah. Do you, is that really a big deal? Um for me, it's not, you know, I, I don't get, I don't do the antibiotic. I just like remove it, clean it with some hand sanitizer, maybe put a topical antibiotic that you can get over the counter, slab that on there rather than going through the whole thing, uh, of the ER than having to get on like a Z pack or something like that. Uh, because you got a hook in the hand and, you know, I always think, if I have an open sore on my hand from a fish, from a gill plate, if I don't have antibodies for shit, that stuff right by now, like, I'm take my chances, you know? Yeah, I hear you there. I mean, I get poked and cut all the time. I'm, I'm not nearly as concerned as some people that are in my family. Um, Absolutely. That yeah. might change as I get older. But 
as of right now, that's something I don't really freak out about. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'll see how I feel in the morning. Mm-hmm. And probably by that time, I'll get to the doctor and they're like, hey, you might as well get your affairs in order because <laughs> you're gone. <laughs> you're, you're septic. That's right. You're, you're, but your body's shutting down. Your body's shutting down. You've got too many hooks in the hand. That's hilarious. Yeah. But so have you changed your routine with the planer boards after taking one to the face? No, no, because it almost happened again. Did you, you know, have flashbacks? Uh, I just ducked out of the way and let the you know. let the client take it square. That was like, you know, I was going off, you know, I was freaking shanking left. So I knew it would be okay. Man, what you got to do is just like one-handed catch it in the air like nothing. Like you're standing nah. there, you just go boom, you catch it, drop it. Oh, I I actually did hit one like that uh, this week. Okay, I was like I know this is coming in my face. I had like my palm in front of my face, and it came and just whacked me right right in the hand. Did your hand close like automatic on it, or did it just you, you stopped no. it? I kind of let it open there like, dude, you know better than this. Come on. When the lure comes flying out of the water because you're putting so much pressure on it, that board comes at an extreme amount of speed right at the direction that you're pulling. So it, uh, you got to get out of the way. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you done that with a bait? behind the boat or whatever. It tends to happen more to for me while trolling mm-hmm. because you, you got the bait loaded up and, and you know, you're bringing it in and you're like, come on, come to the surface, come to the surface. And all of a sudden it just jumps right at you. Maybe and, once or twice a year for all the re- real ends, you know, for me, but it's, cer- it's certainly like when you're not paying attention, yeah. you can kind of feel it. When I let people reel that stuff in and they just give it a good yank. And now you're like, getting you know you're you're getting lower by bending your knees but then you put your arm up to like kind of do like a heroic grab of the bait or you do like that matrix thing where you're just like twisting out of its way absolutely it's it's crazy how fast you can react to that stuff mm-hmm. no doubt and i always mention that like that bait is going to come fire rocking and out of that out of that water so just be careful you know slow up your reel doesn't happen <laughs> no they, they you gotta you gotta learn by experience you do yeah and at that point as captain he's gotta get the hell out of the way yeah it flies up and you just better hope that the, the person holding the rod can move the tip in such a way that it kind of like tether balls it back the other way and wraps around the, the rod and five trillion times and ties itself a knot mm-hmm. what else has happened recently i had um I, I wanted to uh, just touch base on a on a quick lore. I had Mike Fret hold out with Fret hold baits. Fret holder, and, uh, remember Fret holder baits. I don't know, whatever. Hey Mike, that one's for you. Well done. I call him Mike, Mikey, whatever, Michael. Um, he made a new bait, so we went out and did some testing. Uh, Hans was there. Hans the carver. We he was in the bait. boat with you. Oh yeah, we had a great time. 
I didn't know Hans cool. was with you. Oh yeah, yeah. We had a great time. Um, lots of knee slapping laughs, uh, and um, it was a really refreshing charter. But Michael Brett Holder um, has made this new seven-inch Barracuda, a scaled-down version of his nine with a square lip on it, and it's it's a really great running bait. It doesn't run as deep as quick and quick as his other baits that he's made. People are probably familiar with the War Pig in that nine inch um, Barracuda. Uh, this one's really really nice. You can long line it and it doesn't get like super deep. Um, so it's it's a nice uh, transition bait in his arsenal that you can pick up um, through his Facebook uh, website. But the paint jobs on them are real crazy, dude. I told him before he came, I was like, hey, you know, we're testing them. Just think some simple bait, you know, just fading and stuff. And he came. The scale patterns he has on them, they actually look like fish scales. And he did no stenciling. I was going to say, did he stencil or hydro them? No, he just, like, was trying to explain something of how he was painting them. And it seemed like the direction that he was spraying the paint uh, gave it this 3D effect. But you should see this thing under the light. It is unbelievable. Like I said, they look like fish scales. It looks like if you would rub your finger on it in the opposite direction, you would, ha- you would uh, have resistance like a natural fish scale does. It's really, really cool. And I know you appreciate his paints and his bait stuff because – of how much time he uh, he spends on it, and you pick it up and pretty much examine all that stuff. But I was just like, dude, it's crazy, man! Crazy, crazy, crazy. Very talented. You know, he won't he won't give himself credit, but uh, if you're looking to check out a new bait, uh, check out that new seven. They're they're, uh, they're nice baits and uh, perfect size for around here. What did? Uh... Do you guys have a good day on them? Is that the yeah, only bait co- you run, or did you have a spread? Well, yeah, the, the the point was to get those hit, and uh, we did. So it was good. That's nice. Yeah. Check out those baits uh, and check out those insane paint jobs. They are very, very talent-filled, unlike myself. Well, did you explain to him how you could fade paint for him? Prime. Yeah, prime. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can prime a bait with the best of them. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those that, that was a that was a cool day. You should check. Yeah, you should you should see these things that I have. I mean, they're just they look like natural. You know how some people be like, "Hey, here's my walleye," and then here's my natural walleye. Yep. Or here's my perch and natural perch. They looks like a real fish. <laughs> really really neat yeah it's, it's crazy what what how, how people are uh putting the detail into the baits and stuff and i know that the technique that you described i remember uh oh geez it, it's not unique to to fret holder because i've had other people i'm not going to mention name because i haven't got permission to told me about how he was doing that and stuff like that and when you when you get that right i mean there's a lot of angles and stuff to it and, but when when you get it right, it looks phenomenal. 
and it it, it, it is literally not easy. angles. Yes, you know, it's it's some neat stuff how they how they were able to do that. You know, I would I like to try it? Yeah, I'd like to try it, but I like to. I want to get some paint done. I want to put down it's, paint. So it's hunting season. Yeah, hunting. I will go here too. Nice. So, other than that, what, what do you what do you what do you think about twenty twenty one? Do you think there's going to be shows? I'm going to say right now. I think it's tough to say. I mean, I think most people are on the same page that we're going to know a lot more here after the first part of November about what's really mm-hmm. going to happen. But I'm going to say my gut feeling is if there's stipulations put on like a like number of people in a building and stuff, I, I think it's it's going to it's going to kind of put the nail in the coffin for some of these shows. Um, the crazy thing is, is like I got a automated phone call today from my kid's school saying that there's a virtual open house, like whatever tomorrow you can go virtually through the school. And it reminded me, you remember that, uh, Paul for stereo where we talked about the virtual show. Yes. And it, it, it brought back the the memory of us talking about having that and, you know, the technology and all this stuff. I'm not saying that's what the Muskie show is going to jump on immediately, but if the local elementary school here can have a virtual open house, I think this is only going to further the technology to make that happen to where you might literally not have to leave your house to attend a Muskie show. Um, but then I start thinking, is it even going to be, is it even going to matter? Because you hop on Facebook on a, on a group and you have all these people posting up their stuff. I mean, that's essentially a virtual show if they're Mm -hmm. all vendors. Um, Mm -hmm. there, there, like I said, there are some shows that are on the bubble that may or may not do it. And I don't know. I don't know the feeling of it because I'm also like, not quite sure. I mean, do do you really want to put up the miles and the money for a hotel and all this stuff to go to a show that can allow, let's just, I'm using numbers, 100 people in the door, 100 people in the building and 75 of them are vendors. And you're like, well, so you're going to have 25, you know, attendants in there that are not vending a booth. And what's that going to do? Are people going to wait or are they just going to say, screw it and not show up? Mm-hmm. The, the, there's, there could be some extreme complications here yeah. um, with, with depending on what state you're in. And it, it could play a big part. I mean, and if, if vendors find out that, you know, they can fill the vendors, um, say that like all the vendors are normal, that the normal uh, mainstays for the shows and they, they find out, yeah, there's not going to be anyone through the door. Well, who's going to drive three, four, five hundred miles to go to this show to set up when there's going to be, you know, instead of a thousand people through the door, there's going to be 250. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 I don't know. I, I think some shows won't be there and I think some, some might try it. I, 
I'm not sure. It's going to be different. It might be a good different. It might be a bad different. But if it's different to where maybe instead of a mad rush for me to paint a whole bunch of baits so we can have ready for show season, that I could slow down and maybe pick up, you know, a little bit more details that I generally skip. Mm-hmm. There would be there would be some kind of a opportunity there. Um, I mentally wrestle around, or do I just you know kind of fill the standard color chart and do what we normally do? This this could be a very neat experimental time. It no could doubt. also it could also really suck. It could also be really good, but I'm not sure really. It would what, be nice if you could do these gatherings with like you know. Uh, Mask on, enter, um, check your temperature, you're clear, you go in. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I don't really want to get into the whole mask thing because I just got an earful from it, from the, uh, oh, uh, the kindergarten orientation for my son and, and the stuff that I get to hear what they're going to put him through. And I'm like, you know what I'm saying? That I, I know. The, I'm not saying that I'm pro mask or pro non mask or whatever, even though I'm pro not. But, um, you know, for this situation, yeah, it, it would be. I don't know. I mean, like on paper, on paper, everything sounds great, and then I really start thinking about it. You know, at at work, people come in through the door off the street. And I'm like, man, I think I know who you are, but if you have a mask on, good luck. So, so it's sometimes really hard to pick people out when you can't see their nose and mouth. Mm-hmm. And it would just kind of be awkward. I don't know. I mean, it's... Like I said, on paper and stuff like that, everything sounds good. But I don't know. I mean, then... And then, you know, there's there's food and drink. So mm-hmm. you just take the mask off to eat and drink and I don't know. It it's I hope there's shows. We'll see. We're gonna find out. Yeah. I know a lot of people depend on this. They do. I mean it it like I it might just bump up the presence of, you know, maybe some I don't know, really cool Facebook pages or, or something like that. You know, we, we don't really have our own private group. I know a lot of people do. Um, you know, that might that might be the new cool thing. And I don't know, maybe there'll be like a, a, a group page to where you can have, hey, look at all these private groups that I can go into at show season and, you know, give the post office a workout shipping all these baits. Mm-hmm be interesting yeah i'm not i'm not quite thinking about this quite yet but i know it's literally on the horizon yeah but it is that's it let's cut it you're done yeah i'm good i gotta freaking wake up and go fishing again i hear you so all right with that I thank everyone for listening, and I also thank our sponsors, Fat Easy Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, St. Croix Rods, Ranger Boats, Vicks Marine, Muskies, Inc. And uh, with that, I, I think that 
you know, we had a nice big front move through today. I kind of think this is the start of ratcheting down for some cooler temperatures. I'm hoping, I'm not saying we're not going to get back warm again, but I think it's kind of starting to trend that way. So water temp should be down in most of the country. Get out there. Good luck fishing. Thanks for listening.